This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, precious family of God in South Africa. So glad that we can be together again. Now, won't you please, won't you, give yourselves a great big hand clap for being in church this weekend. All of you in the main sanctuary, go ahead. All of you in the Sheila Palmer and the Dr. Theo and the Dr. Bev in the theater, let's all praise God together. And all of you at home, let's give God a great big praise, God, this, this wonderful day. And I'm sure you are happy that you are now finally in summer. Hallelujah. All right. We are going to continue our series, The Life of Bible Heroes, talking about Joshua, a great Bible hero. All right. When the people of Canaan heard how God had destroyed Egypt with mighty plagues and brought the Israelites out of Egypt with signs and wonders, and how he had opened the Red Sea, and the Israelites passed through on dry land. And then the army of Egypt chased down through the Red Sea on chariots and horses, and, and God caused the sea to close down on the Egyptian army, and they all drowned. And then Joshua, some years later, crossed the Jordan River, it stopped flowing. They crossed over on dry land, and they conquered the great city of Jericho and the city of Ai. And so now when the people of Canaan heard all that God had done in fighting for the Israelites, you can imagine they were petrified, terrified. So the people of Gibeon decided that they were going to come visit Joshua and the Israelites to see if they can enter a covenant with them in order to preserve their lives because they knew they were going to be destroyed. Now then, because they were staying close by, they had to deceive Joshua. Otherwise, they'd never enter covenant because God told them to execute everybody. Now, they had committed sins we can't even mention here today. So they were deserving of this death punishment. Anyhow, so they uh, wore old clothes and they wore broken sandals and worn out saddlebags and old skins for their bottles of water that were perishing. They used those. And when they got to Joshua and the uh, Israelite leaders, they told them that they'd come from a distant country, a far distant country. We've traveled a long way, but we want to enter a covenant with you. And uh, they knew that God had told the Israelites to destroy everybody in Canaan. And since they lived in Canaan, they were petrified. All right. So a few days later, after this covenant was entered into, Joshua and the Israelites found out about it. And they were furious that they were deceived by the Gibeonites. Anyhow, in Joshua chapter 10, a little while later, five kings from the Amorites 
come together and march down on Gibeon to conquer the Gibeonites. So the Gibeonites sent an SOS message to Joshua. Please come and help us. There's no way we can fight against this great army. We're outnumbered hundreds to one. You've got to come help us, otherwise we're doomed. We have a covenant with you. So Joshua and had to make a decision now. Does he say to the Gibeonites, well, look, you guys entered this covenant with us under deception. You didn't tell us you were living right close by. You know that we are ordered by God to destroy you. And so we are just going to let you fight your own battles. And this is this harvest because you're sowing bad seed. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to die now anyhow, but not by us, by somebody else. That would have been very easy for Joshua to do. And he didn't have to kill the Gibeonites. Somebody else would take care of it. Well, that's not what Joshua did. He said, okay, fine. We've got a covenant. We can come fight for you and protect you. Imagine that, risking their lives to fight for these cheats. Why? Because they had a covenant. That shows that Joshua honored the covenant where the two lives become one life. And now Joshua and his team are prepared to die alongside these deceivers and give their lives to them because of this covenant. Now remember, you have a covenant like that with Jesus. He gave his life for you. In this covenant, he would be ready to die for you, and he did. Because he knew you were going to die and go to hell for your sin, he took your sin and went to hell in your place. That's because the blood covenant that you have with God. And everything that God owns is yours in this covenant. So God's on your side to fight your battles for you. Say that. This battle is the Lord's. It doesn't matter what you're facing, child of God. That battle belongs to Jesus. Let him fight it for you. Just say it and he'll do it. So Joshua and the Israelite army went out to fight for the Gibeonites. And while they were in this war, Joshua noticed that the sun was beginning to set. And he realized that he had the armies of these five kings of the Amorites against the ropes, so to speak. They were retreating. And he didn't want to come back the next day to finish the war because during the night they would regroup and he'd have to start all over. So he had the advantage. He wanted to finish it, wrap it up right there and then. So he turns to the sun in the sky and he speaks to the sun and he says the following in Joshua 10 verse 12. During the war, while he's fighting, he stops and speaks to the sun. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. Now imagine that. He wants to win the war, so he commands the sun to stand still in the sky, not to set, and the moon to stop. Wow. 
Bible says in verse 13, so the sun and the moon stood still until the Israelites had defeated their enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. The New King James says that verse the following way. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Wow. Where did Joshua get this faith from? And imagine the enormous size of this victory and this accomplishment of faith. Think about this. The earth is turning. It's 24,000 miles in circumference. And if it turns like that in 24 hours, that means it's traveling at a thousand, you're traveling at a thousand miles an hour this way, besides going round the sun, right? So the earth would have to stop instantly, just like that. And God did a miracle. Imagine you hit a wall a thousand miles an hour. There'd be nothing left of you. No one took off. No one fell over. No animals fell over. No one lost their balance. No one even knew. They didn't even know the earth had stopped. Just like that. So God kept every person standing and doing what they were doing. How great is our God? Every bird in the sky around the whole earth, every fish in the ocean, no ocean overflowed. It's amazing how great God is, right? Amazing. And it's amazing that God would actually listen to that. And you think about this. God, I mean, Joshua didn't say, now God, next week I want to stop the sun. Get ready. Prepare. Organize yourself. He didn't tell him that. And I don't see Jesus saying to the Father, you know what, Father, we didn't plan for this. This is a big surprise. What are we going to do now? <laughs> no, God had all under control. Hallelujah. All right, so where did Joshua get the faith for this huge faith accomplishment? To answer that question, let's go back to where Joshua was appointed by God to take over from Moses. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. See how Joshua got all his faith. So God said to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll not leave you nor forsake you. That's a great encouragement right there. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, that means all the word of God, which Moses, my servant, commanded you to observe. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So God gives a formula to Joshua, and he says, Joshua, if you'll follow what I say, if you'll meditate my word, do my word, act on my word, 
live your life in obedience to my word, then you will make your own way prosperous wherever you go. You will, that you may be prosperous. So God gives us the formula for prosperity in his word. The formula for prosperity is in the Bible. Read the Bible, come to church, meditate in the word of God. That's where the answer is. You know, folks have got this idea today that they can live a life of happiness and blessing without God, without going to church, without the Word of God. I promise you right now, that's deception from the devil. As a Christian, don't fall for that because the devil's sneaking up on you. He's putting you into his spider web. You are becoming cold and hot, backsliding, drifting away from the Lord. He's going to trap you. Stay in church, stay in the Word, and you will succeed. Verse 8. This book of the law, or the Word of God, Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth. You've got to keep saying the Word. But you shall meditate in the Word day and night. Always meditate in the Word of God, Joshua, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now watch that. In order to be a doer of the word, we must be a meditator in the word. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. So if I'm not doing the word, if I'm not a doer of the word, it's because the word is not part of my life. I'm not listening to it, meditating in it. That's the reason. Then he goes on to say, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So God didn't say, Joshua, I'm going to give you success. I'm going to give you prosperity. He said, you'll make your own way prosperous. If you'll spend time in my word, you will prosper. That's the formula. It applied to Joshua. It applies to us. That's the Joshua principle. You see, God could have said, okay, Joshua, I've chosen you to take over from Moses. So I'm just going to make you a success. No matter what you do, you'll be successful because I chose you to take over from Moses. So don't worry about anything. You'll just automatically be successful. He never said that. He said, this is how you're going to do it. You've got a choice, Joshua. You can either be successful or not. Be successful or not. It's your decision. How? Meditate my word and you'll be successful. Ignore my word and you'll fail. And Joshua obviously did what God said. Joshua took the following steps. Number one, God told Joshua, his word must not depart from his mouth. Speak my word. Number two, you shall meditate in the word day and night. Number three, so that you may observe to do the word. Say this, if I'm a doer of the word, I will succeed. And that's how it works. God said the result would be, you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So we see that being a doer of the word comes from meditating in the word. Now, 
Is this how Joshua got faith to stop the sun in the sky by meditating in the Word? Absolutely. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith comes by hearing God's Word. And Joshua spent time in the Word. And faith came. Faith enough to stop the sun. He only had the first five books of Moses. That's all he had. And that was enough to stop the sun. My Lord. We got the whole Bible to meditate. John 6.63. Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So in my natural ability, I can accomplish nothing. The flesh profits nothing. However, by the Spirit of God, I can produce life. Prosperity, health, healing. Because the Word of God is spirit, it is life. Did God give Joshua special favor, or has God given us the same authority that he gave to Joshua? Jesus answered that question in John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he'll do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you command in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you command anything in my name, I will do it. And anything includes stopping the sun in the sky. Amen? Because that's what anything means. Praise God. All right, Mark 11, 23, Jesus said the following. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. So here again, we can have whatever we say, just like Joshua did. Numbers 14, 28, God said, Say to the children of Israel, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. So God said, whatever you say in my presence, that's what you're going to have. Let's remember that. Now go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Here is a perfect example of how that works. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, couldn't walk, from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms money from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go to the temple, asked for money, and fixing his eyes on the lame man with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention. 
expecting to receive something, maybe some money. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now that's exactly what Joshua did. Joshua did exactly that. Didn't stop and pray about it. Didn't consult God about it. Didn't ask God to do it. They just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. So that's what Joshua did. The name of, well, he didn't say the name of Jesus. He said, son, stand still. That's all it took. Wow. So we understand then, don't we, that we can talk to any situation and God will act for us. He's not going to stop you and say, hey, no, that's too much to ask for. I'd like to share some experiences I had with the Lord before Pastor Biv and I got married, before we started the church in Johannesburg. I learned to use my faith in the secular career as a salesman. Three years before we started the church in Johannesburg, I got a job with Fodring Hayes and Hughes, selling homes, selling land as a realtor. Fodring Hayes and Hughes was the company I worked for. And they had three branches in Durban. And the total amount of salesmen in all three branches combined was between 15 and 20 salesmen. And I worked for the Durban North Branch on Broadway. There were about six salesmen working at that branch when I was there. And uh, one of the salesmen was selected to train me. And while we're driving around the neighborhood looking at homes that were on the books, he asked me a question. He said, now tell me, today is the 15th of the month, it's halfway through the month, how many houses are you expecting to sell in the two weeks of this month that are left? So I didn't think about that up until then. But I began to think about it, and I thought, well, this is how much I need to earn. And I said to him, well, how much money do you earn approximately per house that you sell for commission? Because we didn't get a basic salary at all. We only had commission. If you didn't sell anything, you didn't eat. So he told me, so I factored in, and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to need to sell four houses this month. That's what I figured out. So I answered him. I said, well, I need to sell four houses before the 30th. And uh, I had no idea at the time that the top salesman in the entire organization was selling one house per month on average. Hmm. So... I, when I said that I'm going to sell four houses, this man began to laugh. And he laughed so hard, he lost total control of himself. Finally, when he came to his senses and calmed down, 
explained to me that that would be impossible because the top salesman in the entire organization sells one house on average a month. So after listening to him, I said, yes, that may be true. However, God is bigger than all of that, and he is well able to give me four houses every month, starting this month. So I will sell four houses because God can do it. Now, I could have said, this battle is the Lord's. That would have worked perfectly right there. Well, needless to say, I sold four houses in the half of the month that was left. And from then on, I never sold less than four houses a month. Some months I sold more. Now, the secret of my success was simple. Simple, here it is. And this principle is the Joshua principle. It's exactly what Joshua was told to do. I had about a dozen tapes that the preacher was preaching faith. And I had these tapes, and I put them in my car in the cubby, and I put one in the player, tape player, and I let it pray through. So when I started my car, it would preach to me, faith. And when I turned my car off, it would stop. I turned my car on, it would preach to me. When the tape was done, I'd take it out, put the next one in, and rotate them. And I played the same 12 tapes or so, a dozen tapes or so, over dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And I still listen to them today. <laughs> Not every day, but I still have them and I still listen to them. Now, I've worn them out so many times. So, I would listen to the Word and I'd drive around and sing and praise God and uh, tell the Father I love Him and pray in tongues. That's what I do, just worship God while listening to the Word when I was on my own in the car. So I was feeding my faith, feeding my spirit on faith food all the time. Exactly what God told to Joshua. And the result was that I sold houses left, right, and center. I sold houses continually. I'd claim four houses every month at the beginning of the month and confess I was selling four houses for that month and I sold four houses. This was supernatural, no doubt about it. It wasn't a physical, natural ability to do that. All the other real estate companies in the street competing with us, competitors, realized that I was selling all these houses like hotcakes. They found out. Even so, they could not understand how I did it. Every time they put a for sale sign down, I would sell the house the house and put my salt sign next to it. So in those years, you didn't get exclusivity. Anybody could sell the house. Anyhow, any realtor, any salesman will tell you that it doesn't matter how good you are as a salesman. If the person doesn't like the house, they're not going to buy it. If they don't like the kitchen, 
or the bathrooms or the lounge, whatever it is, they're not going to buy the house. doesn't matter how you try and make it, you know, sell it to them. They're not going to buy it. So God brought me customers that he knew were going to buy from me because I was confessing for the sale and praising him. He selected the people who would not waste my time. See that? That's what happened. I was using the Joshua principle, feeding my faith on the Word and praising God. Hallelujah. I applied the same principle. Then I believed God for a job, and you know the story if you'll read my books or listen to my series on aspects of faith. You'll remember I believed God for a job at Tady Concrete. I believe God for yellow deaths in 1600, six days a week, five days a week job starts free on Saturdays, all that starting on New Year's Day. Remember that story? Well, I used my faith for that. It worked the same way, exactly the same principle. And then I believe God for the job at Bear Brothers. I got it. When I was selling furniture at Bear Brothers' main store in West Street, um, there were about 18 salesmen on that floor. And every month, I'd win the financial prize. The sales manager would give us a nice handsome bonus as an incentive to sell. And the salesman that got the most sales for the month would get that bonus prize. So at the beginning of the month, I said, when I joined the company, I said, that's great. I love that idea. I will win the prize this month. The first month I was there. I said, I'll win it this month. I'll get that bonus prize. I'll sell more furniture than anybody else here. And you know, here's the thing. Not one salesman refuted that. The manager didn't say anything. They just all looked at me. Like a deer caught in headlights. What's that say? They were in agreement. <laughs> if any two agreed, shall be done for them. So they agreed with me because they didn't argue. <laughs> so <laughs> then I actually did it by the grace of God, see. I said it by God's grace and I got it. I got the money. And so I began to budget. In my budget that my salary would be X, my commission would be so much, and of course I'd win the prize to sell the most furniture and I put that in my budget. That was all part of my income that I budgeted for. And every month, at the beginning of the month, well, I first thanked them for giving me the money, for winning the prize. Then I'd say, oh, by the way, this month I'll win it again. And I did. I did. Then I remember one Saturday morning, Tace Swat, a member of the church that I was going to called Living Waters Church, the pastor was George Dillman, and he led me to Jesus. So, Taste Swat came to see me to buy a large radio for his house that plays records, right? Remember those old days? And um, so he came and he came to see me, and I said to him, Oh, nice to see you, Taste. I said, Come sit here. And I had a long line of chairs. And he was number 12, 
waiting in line to see me. And I sat at my desk, and I was just signing orders. This Saturday morning, signing orders for purchase. I'd seen these customers during the week. They came back Saturday to buy whatever they saw. And they all lined up, and I was filling in the documents, and each one was buying their goods from me. So taste came down the line until eventually he got to me and I filled. He said to me, I can't believe this. He says, everybody else is standing around. No one's there. They're not serving anybody. But you've got this long line of people waiting to see you. And when he's talking to me, there's a long line behind him. I said, well, Taste, it's using your faith, meditating the Word of God and just speaking it, and God does it. And that's how it worked. Hallelujah. That's how simple it is, family. It's not rocket science. It's the Joshua principle. So we need to learn to step over to where the Word of God will govern our thinking. Then we must stay there. Don't stop. Don't slip back into the natural. Step over to where the Word of God will govern your thinking. Always say to yourself, what does God's Word say about this situation? And do that. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't behave like the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means let the Word of God change the way we think and act and behave. Most Christians are body-ruled, sense-ruled. The Word of God is not first place. It is not final authority. It is merely a good book with good morals to most Christians. They say, I believe the Bible, but they don't act on it. They don't do what it says. A person who doesn't do what the Bible says has only got head knowledge, not heart knowledge. Healing and victory is ours. We don't have to ask God for that. All that's already provided for. All that's really necessary is to know it and praise the Father for it uh, because the work is complete. Calvary is complete. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Everything belongs to us. Just speak it out. Demons are defeated by our words. Say that with me. Demons are defeated by my words. Say this, angels are activated by my words. Say this, sickness is overcome by my words. Say this, money flows into my hands by my words. Say this, circumstances are changed by my words of faith. And we need to continuously worship God because worship causes the rain to fall on the seed that we have sown with our words. Say that. I need to continually worship God because worship causes the rain of God's anointing 
to fall on the seeds I have sown with my words. So in God's mind, you are already healed because he put it on the cross. So God looks at you well and sees you well. In God's mind, you're already healed. In God's mind, you are already an overcomer because he paid for that. So he sees you that way by his faith. In God's mind, you are already prospering. Prospering. Because Jesus bought that for you on the cross, 2 Corinthians 8 9. So God sees you with what he paid for by his faith. God calls it done. By his stripes you are healed. He calls it done. My God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That was done at Calvary. God calls it done. All your need are met. All your needs are met. Just like he said to Abraham before Isaac was born, he said, you are the father of many nations, and Isaac wasn't even born. God calls those things that be not as though they were. Abraham had to side with what God said and change his name to father of a multitude. That was his new name. So we need to do the same thing. Confess, I've got this. It belongs to me. This battle belongs to the Lord. The victory is mine. Your words will make a difference to everything in your life. You see, Jesus is the trunk of the tree, the vine of the tree, the stem of the tree, and we are the branches, according to John 15. Now, does Jesus have cancer? Does he ever have cancer? No, of course not. Does he have TB or arthritis ever? No, of course not. It's not possible. He is life. That's who he is. And you are the branch. You are connected to the tree. It's one tree. So you and Christ are one, one body, the same body. If Jesus can't have sickness in him, nor can you. It's a fact. Meditate on this truth, that you are the body of Christ, therefore you can't have sickness, and you confess, I am the healed resisting sickness. If sickness attacks your body, say, I am the healed resisting sickness. I won't accept it. That's what we say. That's our confession. Let's renew our minds to that. You have been transferred out of Satan's kingdom, according to Colossians 1.13, into Christ's kingdom. You have been transferred, therefore, out of sickness into health. You've been transferred out of poverty into prosperity. You've been transferred out of bondage into freedom. You've been transferred out of everything that holds you back into success. Transferred out of defeat into success and victory. Transferred out of failure. That's what's happened to you. Done. Paid for. You are in the kingdom of Christ. All is blessed in God's kingdom. Colossians 2.10. You are complete in Christ in every way. One John 1.16. And of his fullness, completeness, 
we have all received and grace for grace. So of his fullness, we have all received. All the blessing of Christ and who he is, we have that too. Because we're one tree, one body. This is all by grace, praise God. Huh. You're an heir of God, you're a son of God, and you're a prince of God. That's who you are. Philippians 4, 6. That's why God said, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So make your prayer known, make your confession known, and then give thanks. We should really spend as much time thanking the Lord, praising the Lord, as you do in prayer and in confession. Say that. I need to spend as much time in praising and thanking as I do in prayer and confession. Worship is the big neglected factor in the success of the church of Jesus Christ. That's so powerful. I'll say that again. Say with me. Worship is the big neglected factor in the success of the church of Jesus Christ. That's why it's heartbreaking for me to look out across the crowd every Sunday and see some Christians who have been coming to church for years and years and years and they don't worship God. They'll stand there with their hands by their sides. They'll never lift their hands. They'll never open their mouth and sing the words. They might be chewing gum or their mind somewhere else. They do not understand the opportunity they're walking right past. They do not understand the victory they're forfeiting. They do not understand the prosperity that could have been theirs. They do not understand the victories that they've lost where God didn't fight for them. They could have been so much further down the road in every area of their life if only they understand the power of worship like Joshua did, like David did, like Daniel did, like Esther did. These Bible heroes all understood this. It's about time we catch on today. It's about time, surely. The sun can stand still in your life. The sun can stand still in life. In other words, whatever your problem is can be stopped in its tracks like Joshua did by boldly proclaiming what God will do for you and then worshiping Him. And you'll be able to watch and see God do the work. God will go to work for you, fight your battles, and do the impossible. God is on your side. He will never fail you. Just apply the principles. God bless you all. Pastor Bev and I love you very much. Praying for you continually. We're hoping to see you and trusting God to bring us safely to South Africa in, so, in February. So, agree with that. All right. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many say, Apostle Theon, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I need to be sure 
that I'm born into the family of God, that my name is written down in the book of life. All right, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray in a moment. And God will speak to your heart and give you that confirmation, and you'll go home happy. And if you want this from the Lord, I'm going to pray for you. But before I do, I'm going to count to three. And if you'll slip up your hands when I count to three, God will see it, and He will include you in my prayer, and He'll speak to your heart when I pray and give you that confirmation. So slip your hand up right now if you want God to speak to you when I pray. One, two, three. Raise those hands. Thank you. Keep those hands raised for a minute. All right. Now, everybody, please, everybody, say this prayer with me, especially those who've raised their hands. And if you're at home, I want to encourage you to come to church next week. But in the meantime, slip your hand up if you want God to speak to you. Right there at home, He'll talk to you. All right, here we go. Say this, dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I surrender my heart to you from this day, Jesus. I make you Lord over my life. That means I will live for you with all my heart. I will not live a selfish life. I'll obey you from today with all my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me as a child of God. Amen. Now say this, I'm bound for heaven. God is my Father, and I'm God's child. Hallelujah. We love you all. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.